Hey, you're listening to the Word of Life AG podcast. Each week, our staff meets to discuss one element of the mission, vision, and culture of our church. This portion of the podcast is all about bringing those messages to you. We hope you enjoy this talk from Pastor Tom J.J. Wood. So this morning, I want to share um, something that I've called and something that I've titled The Role of Relevance. Uh, the role of relevance. And relevance is another churchy buzzword. Uh, a few weeks ago, I shared about uh, excellence and how excellence uh, is lived out and how we, uh, how we implement excellence and the attitude around that And here at the church. And I would go as far as to say that so much of what churches mean when we talk about relevance is really excellence. So when talking in terms of relevance, we'll talk about things like stylistic choices or contemporary social media or a worship style or building decor. And so much of that I feel is better described as excellence rather than relevance because it deals with stewardship and being faithful with what we have. So to get our heads around relevance and why I think this matters and the role of relevance for us, I think that we really need to start by recognizing the magnitude of sin's impact on everything. I mean, the whole of creation. This verse from Romans 8, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. The whole of creation has been groaning. The whole of creation has been negatively impacted by sin and the role of sin that has come since the fall. The impact of sin is far greater than we can wrap our heads around and it causes so many problems. But if Jesus is the ultimate remedy to sin, and we of course believe that he is, then he is the solution to the multiple problems because he is the ultimate overcomer. So the problems of sin, it varies with each and every person. Sin causes a variety of problems, and that means that the ways that sin shows up in people's lives varies from person to person. One individual over another, there'll be different ways that sin shows up in their lives. Different doubts, different objections, different questions, different temptations, different fears will be different for different individuals. The things that prevent us from pursuing God may vary. True relevance is understanding how the message of Jesus directly addresses the specific reasons people have for being resistant to God. Let me recap that. Because this is a giant thought and it's been with me for a number of weeks. And I'm glad that this is the moment I think is right for me to share this. But true relevance is understanding that sin shows its ugly head in many different ways. It shows up in people's lives in a variety of ways. And the relevance that a church needs to embody, true relevance, is understanding how the message of Jesus specifically addresses the different ways that sin shows up. I don't typically go to the doctor unless I absolutely have to. Um, And when I say have to, I mean Megan makes me. But two of the times that I have been, one, none of them for good reasons. These are really embarrassing how this happened. I've dislocated my right knee. Um, It was when we were living in New York City, and it was at church, and I was um, helping put something together. And one foot was on the floor, one foot was on a cardboard box, and I kind of squatted down, and the cardboard box decided to just, like, fly away, and my knee went with it. And so my knee was on the outside of my leg, which, I, you know, my kneecap, I now understand that's not where it's supposed to be. Luckily for me, Megan was eight months pregnant at the time, and so she was able to help carry me down the subway stairs. We were a picture. There was heavily pregnant Megan, and I'm like this big six-foot dude, and she's, you know, little petite little Maggie, and I'm kind of like, we're wobbling down the stairs of the, you know, Union Square subway station, but that's a true story. But I also went to a doctor. This is another embarrassing story. Uh, Our house in New Jersey... 
Um, the master bathroom had a very low ceiling, and I'm in the shower one day, and I must have got carried away, and I kind of just lifted my hand, and I ended up punching the, <laughs> the, the air conditioning vent, and I ended up gashing open my hand. But I can tell you that I went to the doctor two different times for that, and the way that they treated the dislocated knee was very different to how they treated the gash in the hand. Now, Jesus, of course, we hear from Mark, is the great physician. And he heals a variety of wounds that are all rooted in sin. Sin does show itself in different wounds. Some people that we hear and we talk to and we listen to, they'll talk about uh, an objection to God because there's an intellectual level. Other people will have church hurt. Some may have heard the gospel in some distorted way and now they're turned off completely. Others may be lost in temptation or addiction. But Jesus is the great doctor. He is the great physician that can heal all those wounds. But being relevant is recognizing that all these wounds are something Jesus can heal. And trying to treat a gashed knuckle the same way you would treat a dislocated knee isn't going to help. We get this because trying to minister to someone who's lost a loved one and is furious with God the same way that we would treat someone who's lost in an addiction is obviously unhelpful. We understand this. And we see Jesus model this in the way that he would minister differently to different people. To Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus needed to see the emptiness of his ill-gotten gain. The rich young ruler needed to stop having confidence in his good works. The woman caught in adultery in John 8 needed her value and self-worth restored. It was all rooted in sin. There was all wounds on display. But Jesus ministered to them based on how they were hurting. And consequently, how these wounds and these hurts were keeping these people from God. We may be able to point to a hurt or a wound in a way that was keeping us from God. In our own individual story, we could tell the story of how God, through the Son, healed those wounds. And our stories will all be varied and different. But for us as a church, thinking broader on the question about being a relevant church, it's not a style. But rather, being a relevant church is considering how our community and our culture is hurting. And what is getting in the way of them running to the Lord? To consider the community at large, to think about the 13027 zip code and understand what is getting in the way of people coming to the love of the Father. Relevance is not a style or genre, but a determination to understand what obstacles prevent the community we are called to reach from responding to the message of Jesus. I'm going to say that again. I highlighted it in my notes because it was really impactful to me as I was typing it out. Relevance is not a style or genre, but a determination to understand what obstacles prevent the community we are called to reach from responding to the message of Jesus. I've told the story a number of times. When I first moved to the States, um, I was unable to work because my green hat card hadn't come through yet. And Megan worked at a Starbucks and I would hang out there a bunch. And there was a 17-year-old kid that she worked with that I kind of became friendly with because I was at Starbucks for hours upon hours, um, you know, a day reading and studying and things. And so one day I caught up with him for lunch and his dad was a pastor in Helena, Montana. And we're there talking and as a 17-year-old young man, he's got all kinds of questions and things. And as we're talking, I had this realization that for decades, preachers, pastors, churches, we tried to address the problem of sin. We tried to address the hurts and the wounds of the community we're called to reach evangelistically by talking about how if you don't feel you're good enough for God, here's some Bible verses that talk about how you're forgiven and you're washed clean in the blood of Jesus, which is, of course, all true. I don't question it, doubt it for a second. But as I'm listening to this young man, 
his questions about life, his big picture frustrations and fears were not, I'm not good enough for God. His fears, his questions, his frustrations is, is God good enough for me? Is it worth my time? Is it worth me spending my life pursuing God? That was what was on his mind. And in that moment, and my experience from that moment has confirmed to me that there is a generational shift that is not we needed to declare that you are forgiven, washed in the blood of lamb. We need to present that there is a gospel, there is a message of Jesus and a message of hope that is worth giving up your entire life because you have been forgiven and set free because of the blood of the lamb. But we need to understand and listen to the culture and the community about what are the hurts, concerns, and wounds that are getting in the way of you responding to the message of Jesus. It's all rooted in sin, but it shows its head in different ways. Wounds and hurts present themselves in different ways. A couple of thoughts for you. I've got a couple of hopefully practical things that I think are helpful for us as we lead teams and as we lead departments and as we try to be faithful ministers of the gospel. The first one is listening. Hopefully this is the obvious one, but listening, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If we listen carefully to the people in the community, they will eventually tell us and show us the hurts and wounds that sin has caused. Eventually, sooner or later, counselors will say that if you can keep people talking, eventually the roots of the problems will present themselves. If we're committed to listening and considering and really trying to empathize and really trying to understand and hear the precious people in the community, the valuable people in the community, I do believe that people will reveal the hurts and the wounds that sin has caused in their lives. If we listen, we will hear what keeps people awake at night. Second thing, we have to be caring. We have to be caring. We know we're called to care. But a quick look at what many pastors say on Facebook doesn't communicate that we care the way that we're supposed to. Very quick search of pastors, ministers, believers does not scream that they love and care about people who don't share faith the way they do. I would say that a key ingredient to evangelism is caring about lost people. The key ingredient to evangelism is caring about lost people Gifting, skills in speaking, the ability to present the gospel, all are secondary. According to Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, even extreme spiritual gifts are secondary to loving the people we are called to minister to. Paul was even quick to remind people that he himself was not a great speaker. Moses was so bad, he had to take his brother with him. The truth is, is that we all love packed altars, but do we love the people Jesus died for? We love the idea of getting up, presenting the gospel passionately, and then seeing altars packed with people that don't know Jesus, repenting and falling on their knees. But before that, do we truly love the people Jesus died for? Third thing is adapting. So we had listening, caring, and then adapting. I shared with the church uh, a few months ago when Megan and I did the series on mission, vision, and culture. But I don't believe in change for the sake of change. But one thing that I share with the church is that the method is subject to the fruit. The outcome of what we do, the result of what we do, the fruit of the ministry and all those things. Of course, the message of Jesus doesn't change. Hopefully, I don't need to keep saying that. Of course, the message doesn't change. But the methods that we use, the methodology, the delivery styles, the programs that we use, all those things are subject to the fruit. If the fruit is not there, nothing is too sacred because people matter way too much for us to be committed and have holy cows about the methods that we've used because we enjoyed using it and because it worked once upon a time. 
Paul would address different people differently. In Athens, he talked about the unknown God, a statue that he came across. In Ephesus, he talked about the great Artemis, the statue that was there and prevalent in the city at the temple that they had. In Jerusalem, he spoke in a local language and uh, freaked out everybody. And we need to be confident that the adapting is not a compromise. Adapting is not a compromise. We are faithfully fulfilling our call by loving people. We are being relevant by caring, listening about where people are at. One more verse I want to share with you from James. James 1.22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You will see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. I love this analogy that James uses that the word of God acts like a mirror. It acts like a mirror. And you bring yourself to the mirror and you project yourself, your junk, your sin, your hurts, your wounds, your experiences, your questions, your doubts. You project it in the mirror and the word of God projects something back. You bring yourself, here I am, all my rubbish, all my trash, all my shame, all my guilt, all my hurt, all the way others have hurt me, all the ways I've hurt others, all the mistakes that I've made, everything. I bring it to the mirror and God projects something back. And it gives us a chance to adjust and fix ourselves and, and, and change based on what bounces back at us. As ministers of the gospel, our job is to help people see and understand the reflection the word of God brings back about whatever they are projecting into that mirror. To help people see that whatever effect sin has had on their lives, Jesus is the answer. Our job as a relevant church is to understand how our community and zip code is hurting at large, what culturally is preventing people from running to the Father and to adapt accordingly with all the love and care that God has shown to us. We cannot reduce this principle and this thought of relevance to being about what fashion style we're into, about how hip and mind-blowing our social media graphics are. This is about how our community is hurting and how we can reflect the goodness, love of God to whatever specific hurts people are feeling. Whatever specific effects, ramifications, sin has brought about, Jesus is the answer and we need to be the answer for people who are looking for him. Come on, let's pray. Lord, take something from this. Lord, change our hearts. Break our hearts for the lost Break our hearts for people that don't know you. We want to reflect your goodness. We want to help people make sense of what they see in the mirror when they bring themselves. Lord, please, we don't want to assume the problems that people are facing. We don't want to presume the impact of sin that's had on people's lives, Lord. But instead, we want to listen, we want to care, and we want to adapt so that we can see people come to know you. In Jesus' incredible name, amen, amen. Hey, we hope that you were blessed and encouraged by today's talk. If you're a leader or a ministry director here at Word of Life, there are tons of resources available on our website. Head to wordoflifeag.org, go to the menu and tap on leaders. We'll be posting new episodes of this podcast every week, so be sure to subscribe to us anywhere you get your podcasts. See you next week.